third place were the final uh, women in video games game, as it were. But uh, it's been a lovely few weeks being in the world of Lara Croft and Tomb Raider and all that good stuff. But I think it's time we have a little bit of fun tonight. And I could not be more thrilled to have two of the most uh, largest names in the scene right now, two of the uh, biggest biddies in the game, as it were. Uh, I can't, I'm super grateful to have Nick and Chris on from Thought Topics. How are you boys? Hi. Hello, hello. What's up? Doing good. How are you? Uh, I'm doing swell. Welcome to the gamer cast, gamer moment, as it were. Gamer moment. Yeah, I'm like waiting for this moment all my life. I know this is like expertise, is my ballpark, whatever Mm. you call it. So I'm excited. We never have an opportunity to fully nerd out on our show because it's not (laughs) homosexual. (laughs) Well, yeah, we got bills to pay. Yeah, we got got bills to pay. We got the IRS to to fend off, as it were. So, uh, right, (laughs) our inner demons, right. But I, I'm super grateful to have you on. Uh, I love thought topics. I love the sort of hyper energetic, hyper like just super dynamic that you two guys have. I mean, it's clear as day that like you guys are the best of friends, as it were. Like you can hear it in every second you guys go back and forth on your show. I mean. I have never heard two people talk as fast as you guys, and somehow, like at the <laughs> same time, at somehow at the same time, it's completely like understandable what you guys are talking about. Like, and I love that you both have no sort of like defined like theme or something. You guys could talk whatever, it, like whatever is happening that week. You know, in a way, you guys remind me. Like when I first was listening to the show, it very much reminded me of like two like uh, radio DJs just like interspersing like some music that they found in the midst of conversations in the commercial breaks like I I love just that hyper dynamic back and forth that you know this is what they've been doing for years even before they got like a radio station sort of thing so I I truly am glad to have you guys on in this early part of the show's history. Well, thank you. We're very pleased to join you. It's been uh, a long time coming, I feel like, already, because mm-hmm. you, it's been a minute since you were on ours. Mm-hmm. Oh, so, yeah. <laughs> I was on this first super, what was it, the the Patreon? Yeah, Gay Little Monkey. I was on the very first one. <laughs> yeah, we, we invited you over to our neck of the woods to uh, <laughs> all the Super Smash Bros. character based on fuckability. Yeah, which Super Smash <laughs> Brothers would you smash? Yeah, we did. Yeah. We called think, in Portuguese. Yeah, yeah <laughs> I remember that because I think you messaged me not two hours before saying, "Hey, can you do this real quick?" <laughs> and, but no, that that was that was such a fun time. I think I still stand by the list we made. You know, I do too. The list was... are all, they're set in stone after that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and was that before they ended all the DLC characters? I can't remember. I mean. Granted, the last DLC character was Sora, so it's not like I don't think Sora's addition to the list was going to affect anything. No, I don't think we would have even wound up discussing her. <laughs> you have to wait like, um, Minecraft Steve. I don't remember. I don't know. I think we did, I think we did, we did talk about Minecraft Steve, and I said I would let him put that pedal to the metal, bitch. <laughs> yeah, fair no enough. Fair enough. No shots, Stone Cold Sober, straight up. Straight up, over here, 7 p.m. on a Wednesday. Listen, he's quiet. He only says, hey, and then, you know, that's it. 
Yeah, it's consistent. He's predictable. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. He, uh, you, what you see is what you get. He's reliable. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, someone who's there. <laughs> but uh, truly, I'm honored to have you all, both of you guys, on. It's uh, it's always fun to bring on podcasters on, fellow podcasters in the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, but first, I, as with every first-time guest, I want to ask the gaming histories of both of you guys. Um, I know, I vaguely know Chris's a little bit, because I remember when I bought Dead or Alive 3, you said that was one of the first things you remember buying. So, uh, if I would like to hear where where the histories begin with each of you, respectively. You can go first. Hell Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I grew up with video games. My dad was in IT, did like computer science really early on. So he used to go to like the land parties, bring his PC to Indiana, do all that stuff. He'd be gone for a weekend. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. So that was kind of our thing, like my entire upbringing. I would watch him play video games. I remember watching him play like the Halo 1 campaign. I remember watching mm-hmm. him play like Grab by the Ghoulies because that's a game that oh. I wanted to play, but I was too scared of at the time. <laughs> A lot of my early, like even like Assassin's Creed, Prince of Persia, like those games, uh-huh. my dad would just kind of sit there and watch, and that'd be our bonding thing. So, <laughs> where I branch off into what I played, mm-hmm. I was into all the Halos, all the Call of Duties, mm-hmm. and I got really good at Soul Calibur 4. Oh, yeah. And it really took off with like really zoning in on the competitive side. The mm-hmm. person that made in that video game was Ivy. Which was oh, like, yep, 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 yep. Big, big booby, 60-year-old grandma lady that had a perfect body and wore essentially like a bodysuit. Yeah, wore nothing, basically. Yeah, like wore the, nothing. And I the... think that's like alarm started going <laughs> off where like I she did my main. I spent so many hours with her, but I was like, hmm, I'm not really <laughs> this, whatever's going on here. I just <laughs> think it's fun. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. You know, whenever you're young and you see like some just big you know bodacious woman on screen in a game and you get to play as her it's just like oh wait what is what what is what are these what are these like thoughts racing through my head hmm yeah you know it was like a whip sword it's a sword that oh yeah (laughs) and it's still one of my tattoo ideas like to this day is to get that like around my leg or around my arm is her whip sword just Mm -hmm. because my favorite characters of like of all time oh man that that would be so cool i i i have a deep respect for soul caliber just because it's it's so mad like it's kind of basic to say i guess but like soul caliber is so magical like there's nothing else like it like there's always in these fantastical worlds with these like basically like historical-esque type characters across time and history but mm-hmm. like also the time it's like the guys are all in like suits of armor and then the girls are like bikini like armor sets and somehow like it completely makes sense uh yeah. some somehow uh Geralt from the Witcher is in uh Soul Calibur like I remember <laughs> Soul Calibur 2 okay. had uh Link in Link was in the GameCube version that's right um yeah. PS2 version had Hihachi from Tekken and then the Xbox version had Spawn from the comics which yeah. was a, which is still pretty cool I, I love all these like guest characters that just pop into soul caliber and it's just like yep this makes sense it's hilarious and the 360 version for soul caliber 4 it was darth vader and yoda Mm -hmm. (laughs) which was crazy but yeah it's it's one of my favorite franchises because i never really got into tekken i never really got into mortal kombat it's always been soul caliber for me 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it Soul Calibur is like a legendary prestige franchise, and I I would love to cover them at some point, in much in the way I did Tekken, where it's just like you you have to do it all together to understand like this grand scope like narrative experience uh of soul caliber because you know they're made by the same company tekken and soul caliber so it's like they're kind of like sister projects in a way yeah mm-hmm. yeah yeah. yeah it i love your sort you're one of the few people i know who has like history to like the older xbox the the, the og xbox as it were so oh, yeah. i always love to get that store side of the story because i think a lot of people had playstation experience or nintendo experience so it's mm-hmm. to hear like the one person's like i got an xbox it's like well oh that's interesting because from there you're just brand loyal like i never looked in the, the same direction as like a playstation you know i never mm-hmm. debated one to this day i still have my xbox one but i remember my dad pulled me out of preschool to go pick up the first xbox when it came out day one and that was like, it was during winter, I remember. And it was just one of my favorite memories. But mm-hmm. always been an Xbox person. Like uh, the OG Xbox had Fusion Frenzy. Oh, yeah. Did... Yeah. What uh, were some uh, of the games on there too were good? Yeah. They're, like, I'm, I'm looking at my kind of sparse OG Xbox. I mean, I have Halo, obviously. Yeah. Uh, there's a, a lot of good Sega games like Jet Set Radio Future was on there uh Shenmue 2 is on there Project Gotham Racing yeah, uh, that was really good I have Project Gotham as well mm-hmm. yeah there's the OG Xbox I always respect because it's like the epitome of like a boys thing like it is so yeah it's, yeah, so, <laughs> it's so garish looking like it's just this big hunk of plastic that's like ginormous you can't put it vertically uh, it has the most egregiously ginormous controller in the history of mankind. Mm. Uh, the 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 Duke I th- was its name. They called it the Duke because it was so big. Uh, <laughs> uh, and they had to redesign it when they brought it to Japan because it was too big for Japanese people. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, and then it just has that like green circle on the top. It just says Xbox. I mean, it's such like an American boys thing. I mean, my one of my brothers was was very similar to you. He was Xbox day one when it came out. He played Halo in college, and it was just he didn't buy a PlayStation ever since. He always got Halo, or he always got an Xbox because Halo was coming out. Or Gears of War, and it's just like he just got everything else because of it. All his friends were there, like Xbox Live and all that stuff. So, yeah. and because you you guys are not too far away in my age, like you know, I remember in middle school where everyone had a 360 so that they could play Call of Duty together. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah and I remember sleepless nights being in Call of Duty in part Xbox Live party lot uh, parties, just you know going in to like from like eight o'clock at night to like four in the morning just playing modern warfare 2 religiously as if it was like the only thing that ever existed and only thing that ever came out it's like you you had to just it was like one of the first moments of you had to be there yes totally agree it was like the perfect storm of everything it felt like hanging out with your friends on Xbox Live, being able to do that every day, putting in so many hours towards a video game where it felt like you just couldn't finish it all. Like, yeah, like when yeah. you think of 
with these like unlocking everything for example mm -hmm. they, they can just make it harder <laughs> and oh yeah and, and then like, when you ended we were in college still and like playing like still playing black ops ones. 2 yeah and like mm -hmm. like black, just, yeah black just ops. being like how long can we survive and like in zombies or whatever yeah or, like just shit like that yeah black ops 2 was the one where i spent like i have months worth of hours on that game <laughs> and it's pretty gross and then yeah you bring it to the, it was in high school it was college you just don't want to let it go and it just has so much replay value when it comes to like zombies specifically too like something you can just do over and over that's <laughs> essentially infinite they, yeah. they cracked the code of it. oh yeah no they're they're like sasha bell they cracked the code uh but and you know what was so evil about call of duty was that they're just like oh you got to max level have you heard about prestige uh and where you redo it again <laughs> <laughs> and then you can do it up to a certain amount of time so you can let everyone know you did it 10 times 11 times 12 times That's yeah so yeah it's such crazy. a weird thing that only guys would be interested in that guys yeah. would that to show dominance which is like, why i know. wasn't interested in it <laughs> <laughs> and this is why yeah. this is why nick stayed clear away but like i <laughs> but you know like i think there's no one can deny the power that was Call of Duty back in the late 2000s. I mean, obviously, even still to today, like Call of Duty is still like the biggest franchise on the face of the earth still. And it, which kind of blows my mind still. It's like it has not gotten like it hasn't faded one bit since like high school for me. And it's like an omnipresent thing now in life which is like well new, the new call of duty is coming out what's different oh uh it's in the future what's the next one about oh it's in, in world war ii oh what's this next one it's in the cold war you know? yeah. it's insane what i yeah. really during middle school and high school though was like minecraft when minecraft was first oh yeah big, and you were kind of on the train really early on a lot of really cool moments were created there, and I I have so many good Minecraft <laughs> memories like my friends, like the I, three four a.m. So. I, I I remember seeing Minecraft appear on YouTube when it was in like alpha form, and I was like, "What the hell is this?" Like, it's so, it seems so again it, to use the word garish at the time, like just this pixel blocky world where it never ends, and there's like no goal to do whatsoever. And I remember getting it when it was in beta. Uh, and I remember in high school, there was a big group of us and we all pitched in for a server. We actually like paid $10 each for a server to be on and for like one guy to like run. And all I remember from it is that there was a, a pirate ship in the sky that had a missing texture. So it just looked purple. Um, yeah. And uh, then uh, people tried to blow up the ship and then the server was shut down because everyone kept griefing each other. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, good. I mean, Minecraft, it's, e it's very easy to make fun of, but I think it's a very important game. Like it's it's very <laughs> it, it taps into the like autistic sense of you have to do you have to spend 10 hours making the most like inane basic thing possible and yeah. somehow it's like i just did i just solved i did everything i everything that i have ever wanted to do in games in just like 10 hours and then you like for me personally i'll have my like binge period where i play it for like a week straight obsessively and i'll never touch it again for two years yeah, yeah. <laughs> i mean i love any game that has a night and day in game 
Mm-hmm. Where I feel like they could like adopt that from also like Animal Crossing, where it just feels like you could keep going. And where going I feel mentally going. fucking ill. Yeah, <laughs> that's how it, that's how it is with like Stardew too. Like every time I spend a full day in Stardew, it feels like it's a whole day has passed in real life. In real life, and you're like, nope. And it makes me feel like I'm in jail. It's yeah. incredible. Oh, Easy. It's yeah. it's totally devious the way they do it. Um. So, what is your personal history, Nick, with games? Where did it start for you? Um, it started with I mean, watching my dad play a lot of games when I was younger. He was very into like the sort of PC RPGs. He played like um, like Baldur's Gate and Icewind Dale, that kind of stuff. And I remember just being very jealous of wanting <laughs> to play those things, but they were too scary and uh, mature. <laughs> time um so i got i think the very first system i ever got was a ps2 mm-hmm. and I got five and around that time i mean the biggest like video game burden of my life has been the fact that like i'm really really bad at them and always have been like mm-hmm. i don't have like the, the skill set or like again like the autistic grind set that you have <laughs> good at them like i just i don't have it i don't have a desire to like get good like i just like if it doesn't it come very naturally to me and if it doesn't like instantly hook me and i'm really great at it for to be like right away i don't want to play and i don't care Mm -hmm. the first video i ever loved was on the original playstation which (laughs) one was it it's so fucking retarded. It's called Muppet Monster Adventure. <laughs> <laughs> and this game, I'm serious. No one knows that this game exists. This is like such a, it's a, it's a very, very niche piece of Muppet <laughs> culture. In the Muppet <laughs> Cinematic Universe. Muppet Cinematic Universe. Where in uh, Kermit's nephew has to collect all the, the little bits of the other Muppet souls because they're trapped by like various vampires and werewolves and things like that. And the art style is so beautiful. And the music was like written by this like straight up like orchestral conductor. <laughs> super, super talented. And like it's way better music than it ever needed to be. And it's like, there's no one. It's just clearly was like bargain bin slop for so many years. Oh, yeah. Now, I own a copy of it still. And if you try and buy a copy of this game, it's like $200. Because no one knows it exists. Oh, know. yeah. No. Total. For, for one, PS1 games are like a hot ticket item. Uh, for collectors one because uh the ps3 had a thing where you could just like pay five ten twenty dollars to get a ps1 game and you could just play it there mm-hmm. um but sony has been making basically alluding that they're going to shut down the playstation network on the ps3 mm-hmm. so like there goes that massive ability to easily play those old games so of course all these like people who have all these PS1 games is just like, well, now I'm gonna oh, so that game that was like probably ten dollars, now it's fifty, and you better pay up. Exactly. Uh, and, yeah. and and there's there's such inane, useless crap that is like absorbent amount of dollars now. I mean, I remember talking with Jack about this. Uh, there's this atrocious game called it's something like the Adventures of Tron Bone. It's a stupid game, and it's <laughs> legitimately legitimately awful i think one of its reviews was like one out of five stars and like <laughs> you know back in the, obviously like a game that bad would have been like two dollars at like a target yeah. but like nowadays it's going for six hundred dollars 
because it's just like a curiosity of just like yeah it's an obscure niche game no one played because it was awful but because it's been never released on other systems there and the concept of rarity and it's an out of out of print media as it were like of course people are just like yeah no this thing's an exclusive rare item and you you know it it deserves this money it's like no it doesn't it's like a piece of shit game it's a piece of garbage (laughs) well i'm here to tell you that muppet monster adventure is a diamond in the rough and if you trying to think of like other favorites of history rise of nations um Mm -hmm. such i'm obsessed with that game i played that like intermittently like constantly all through junior high and high school Mm -hmm. um, which is one of the rare breakthroughs that is like not really a cute game it's like a war game (laughs) Uh Um, but everything else for me has been like just like cutesy Mm -hmm. yeah it makes me feel stupid (laughs) (laughs) i just like my threshold for like i was always friends with a lot of people who were very into the halo thing very into call of duty very into what eventually like that gave way to like Fortnite and bullshit (laughs) (laughs) i just being i'm around it all the time but i don't know my desire to I get like nervous in competitive settings. Like I don't like playing against other people. I don't mm-hmm. want to win. <laughs> like, I just yeah. I don't have that part of my brain. Mm-hmm. So it's, all the Animal Crossing games have been like major, like <laughs> every single time they've come out, they've dominated my entire life. For, yeah. Like, time where I can't talk to people. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tomodachi life. Um, fucking Super Mario Galaxy. Like a lot of I, single... Uh, of like Nintendo has always been like kind of near and dear to my heart because yeah the people who in my opinion make any single player games really worth their salt mm-hmm. and like particularly now because mm-hmm. I just don't have any desire to like I don't know run through a cave and like I just I feel like the PlayStation and Xbox single player vibe is very like adventure style mm-hmm. and just a little bit too manly for my taste yeah that that's definitely true I mean as much crap that I will give Nintendo, like when Nintendo does it right, they kind of like hit, you know, a grand slam as it were, like, like you saying like galaxy, that's one of my favorite Mario's like galaxy is beautiful. It's a genuine, beautiful game. Uh, It's so different. It's different. And I know a lot of people kind of like in retrospect, maybe don't have like the best of opinions, but I still think it's wonderful. Like just, it's a very relaxed experience just getting to like go around a galaxy and being treated to beautiful or beautiful orchestra music and like it's just it's like a vibe game as a you know like feast for the eyes like i need i don't know sort of more stimulation than a lot of these like hard rocks and guns and like i just i don't know it just is very um the market for the kind of thing that i've always been very drawn to is like pretty limited yeah i've like getting drawn more into like the last couple of games i've like really loved have been these kind of like i don't know these sort of like point and clicky like text-based games like disco elysium i was obsessed with yeah i remember i remember you were posting about that and i remember uh dasha's in the original version of the game yes they recast poor dasha they (laughs) okay this is a this is a question for you was her character mate like was it a minor character she voiced no, it was like one of the main characters. Okay, okay. <laughs> and so then that... like the Chapo guys were like the voices for like some of the other main characters. That's 
Wow. Okay. That that is strange because I I I remember that Dasha was a character in the game. I did not know the Chapo guys were uh, characters in the game. That's very interesting, and it it makes me wonder what the game the 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 developers of the game like. What do they really think? Sort of thing. Like, because yeah. no way the general populace is gonna like know why they picked that. Like, that's a very specific, very intended purpose to have these people in a game. Like. You know, granted, it's an indie game, as it were. Like, but still, like, yeah, to, ha to have these very niche, like, you know, podcasters like, be voice actors. Like, yeah, it was like, I mean, a lot of the like political ideas of like the like peak Chapo years of like the kind of like Bernie craze and whatever. Like, a lot of that stuff is kind of baked into the game, so you that kind of is in there. But um. Yeah, they recast it when they like did the whole like mass release, like when they decided they wanted it to be a much bigger game and they put it on Switch and whatever. They did a re-record for every single line in the game and it's like all text. So it was like yeah. so yeah. much shit. So they recast everybody. Yeah. That that's such a fascinating game. I I don't know a whole lot about it. I know it was a darling when it came out. Like everyone who played it praised it to high hell and you know, I was, you know, the Dasha thing was very curious to me. And then, you know, the sort of mass market appeal that it kind of got afterwards to like, it was, it was very fascinating to say the least, because it's so different from a lot of things, you know, very distinct art style. In fact, it's text-based, choice-based. Yeah. Uh, it's so different. And, and I mean, and the fact that it got so popular too is kind of amazing too especially in the modern gaming sense well because it literally forces you to read so fucking much like walls and walls of text mm -hmm. and like that kind of thing just like strokes my brain in the right way but it is surprising that it has gotten like as much like that kind of thing and then also like there's been a resurgence of that sort of game since then too like norco it's a big game this year it's mm -hmm. really similar yeah um, no, the, the indie scene is always it's it's fascinating to see what like big indie game takes off because it seems like every year there's sort of like a new darling of the industry. Like I remember, oh goodness, what year was it? It was like Celeste was one year, and that game was like about like a girl with like mental illness problems or something, which was hey. <laughs> <laughs> a girl with BPD. Yeah, like it's something like yeah, something like that. It, it's it was it that was like one that was like one of the indie darlings but what i always love about indie games you know whether they're like made by one person or like a group of five or like a group of 10 is like they're all i always love the visions they have like whether it be artistically gameplay story wise there's always something very fascinating to every every unique entry and disco elysium is a great example of it yeah um, but I, I appreciate the histories, the, the, the lore as it were. Um, but I think this is a good time to segue into the first part of the discussion. You know, the first of three, as it were, is I've been the last two weeks talking about Laura Croft and Tomb Raider, Laura Ben Croft, as it were. Um, it's and yeah, ex exactly. But, uh, <laughs> uh, -huh. exactly. uh, and there's always been this, 
I guess you could say, I don't know if it's a cloud as it were, but like a sort of thing that has followed games because games are a very, you know, for the boys, as it were, uh, medium. And there's always been the question of the ladies, you know, playable ladies in games and how do we do it right? How do we do, you know, what is the correct way as it were? And, you know, Laura, Laura Croft was a great example because she's, she was like the OG and then she's endured for God, like almost 25 years at this point. And we've seen so many different interpretations and Bayonetta is an example that I think is fascinating because it's a very Japanese take on it all. I mean, I think everybody knows with Japanese medium, you know, what you're going to expect, you know, big, you know, big boobs, big ass, you know, you know, all the sort of (laughs) hallmarks of Japanese media. So I, I, I guess, you know, I guess if this were to close for now, the women, women of gaming, women in gaming, women, women in gaming business question, as it were. Uh, (laughs) And since, and your guys, you know, you know, on your podcast, uh, you know, cover art as the iconic, you know, two girls running, uh, you know, the big bootylicious biddies, as it were. Uh, and, you know, and, and you, That's you a photo of us. Yeah. yeah, exactly. It's, you know, real life. It was captured. You, you, know, you and you're mean to me. Right. Yeah. Exactly. It's, it's, <laughs> yeah you're caught on candid camera. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I, I wanted to get sort of your perspective on sort of the, question as it were nowadays as sort of like a little cap off to the thing i think having a japanese point of view is a very interesting uh top point of discussion and i i I figure you know what do you guys think about the women in gaming question as it were well as a japanese woman (laughs) i to, I mean, to be honest, I feel like the whole point of the way that like male characters are styled in video games, I mean, whether male gamers want to admit it or not, is kind of in a sexy way. And mm-hmm. it's not like necessarily to like make like guys, it's not to like turn on guys, but it's like to make the to kind of tap into like this is like this essential sort of like perfect like male sexuality where like it's plausible that like this person could be like swinging from cliff to cliff and beating the shit out of a thousand people in a row. And like, it doesn't matter and whatever. So I think just because of the fact that like men in themselves are not usually seen as sexual in general, like there's a lot Mm. of, especially in video games, which are thought of sometimes as like a loner loser activity where like Mm. the men in these are like stand-ins for the guys who play them. Yeah. because there's an, also an association with like women not really playing video games. It's like, well, we must be making these girls like sluts for <laughs> standard male enjoyment, basically. But I mean, to be honest, it really just feels like the exact same counterpart of like, how can you make like the coolest, craziest man who's like capable of like insane feats of biology and whatever, like, how are you going to represent that in a woman? 
yeah you're like i'm gonna have this person who's like the least aerodynamic woman of all time like she, <laughs> the the bosom weighing her down is has to be 500 pounds and like there's just no way this person could walk and yet not only does she walk she jumps she kicks she twirls she flips she you know she struts she struts <laughs> all of the above like long hair down to the ankles always long hair yeah. whip a sword yeah and for that to me it's just like you're not like hyping up like the physical strength of this woman it's just supposed to be like you're trying to make her like as cool and like bad as possible mm-hmm. and like who's mm-hmm. the scariest woman a hot one yeah. <laughs> exactly <laughs> you know what i mean like yeah. if we had some frumpy dumpy you know whatever it wouldn't be cool yeah very true very true yeah, yeah. i mean my my and this is something i've held for years and years about female characters and, and and i guess male characters too you know being a gay man too it's like i want everything to be eye candy i want i want my men beautiful and i want my women beautiful like it should be simple as day but i think people want to make it so difficult because they want to they can't process their own sort of inner desires what they want to see and what they want to experience and what they want to play i mean Bayonetta, you know, just not to get too far into it. I mean, Bayonetta has such, is so unique and so different, but like at the same time, this is exactly what I want it, like a female character to be just this extreme over the top, intense, almost like in a way, like, like almost like a secret thing that is like a woman that has always been like inside the back of our minds like collectively as gay men sort of thing like this is this is who this is this is her like this is who i want with you know her back arched and wearing almost no clothing and have she's british and all this sort of stuff (laughs) yeah exactly it's (laughs) i think i think you know the big thing is that people well, for one thing, I think a lot of people don't like to see care people that are hot, hotter than them on screen. Like it, it becomes like a very like assault to them on screen. And the fact that these beautiful characters are doing things that you could not imagine of doing and people adore them and you're they're not adoring you sort of thing. It becomes like a weird like resentment experience where it's just like, well, she needs to be you know fuddy duddy down in order to be acceptable yeah. like my big my the biggest arch enemy of the show and for me is a uh, horizon zero dawn uh that that girl in the game uh oh, yeah. That's like her head bitch yeah like you look at her i'm trying to sound racist there <laughs> yeah i mean that wasn't like, a story i just made up <laughs> no I, I don't know hey we're just saying things you know yeah. off the cuff bomb here, I got down. but you know you look at her and she's she's a great example whatever her name uh, aloy that's her name aloy which is a dumb name i hate that name uh <laughs> yeah because you know she's like metal and she's fighting robots get it like uh kill me uh but like you you see her she's like this like little pipsqueak like she's got like a like she always looks like she's like on the verge of like telling you what you know why she's upset today about everything she's always got like a frown 
and she's like just she i guess the biggest thing she's like normal and like nothing to her except the fact that she has a bow and arrow and you look at bayonetta for example who is holding quadruple pistols is eight feet tall uh constantly getting naked and flaunting that exactly exactly like, i'm know. looking at this like a picture says a thousand words like she technically yeah. has clothes on at all ever it's really just, like, I mean, even when hair. even when she is clothed it's her hair it's yeah it's her it's literally her costume is her hair like her hair. you know Right. Or or another great example. I don't know if you guys seen. I don't know if you guys seen on the timeline at all uh, that game Forspoken. Mm, I don't I think so. so it, it's a it's a new big budget game uh, that was made by Square Enix, and I'm looking it, up right it, it stars. It has this girl who's the main character, and for one, okay, for one, it has the most egregious and horrible dialogue known to man. She, like there's a there's a clip of the game that got memed on like two weeks ago and she gets like she gets like superpowers from like a wrist cufflet and okay we're looking at pictures right now yeah and she gets like superpowers from a wristband or whatever and her immediate thing is she's like i just killed that guy with my mind i just freaking killed that guy with my mind like being (laughs) you know and like it's very just like I it feels like nails are being like slowly put into my skull sort of thing uh and you know what's egregious too is like the you know games nowadays they'll get like a face model Mm uh and you look at her face model and she's gorgeous like she's beautiful and then they they like added some fuddy-duddy to her to like make her not threatening and make her like you know She's one of the Tumblr girls who say fuck sort of thing. Like she gets that layer of like grease play plastered on her. And it's just like, just <laughs> in many ways, I'm just like, follow Laura Croft, follow Bayonetta, follow like, you know, Ivy from Soul Calibur, you know, like that we had the solution so long ago. And it's like, I, I, I'm just so confused as to why people just can't accept that. Like, yeah. Like, don't we, fix what's not broken. Like, well, the, the, it works. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I don't even feel like it's necessarily even resentment about, like, seeing someone who's hotter than you. What I feel like it is, is it's, like, seeing, like, I think people aren't, they don't feel comfortable, like, saying that that is something that they desire and, like, is that's, something yeah. that they find attractive or whatever. Mm-hmm. I, or, or not even attractive, but, like, cool. Yeah, appealing or something. Yeah, or, like, just... It, like because of like the aesthetics are so like garish and out there and crazy and like also super like sexual and whatever i think people just have this instinct where they're like i'm a i'm bad if i like that right mm-hmm. but it's an informed opinion it's like a thing that like, people have said around them enough times where they feel suddenly like they have to feel that way mm-hmm. yeah i mean what i'm doing right now is i'm showing nick and chris an example um bayonetta was made was basically like a spiritual successor to devil may cry if you guys have heard of that um so like i can't this is like the devil may cry protagonist he's like this emo yeah Yeah, he's dante is like a shirtless like emo boy who's like like loves himself and is like wahooing and you know you know yippying all around the entire (laughs) level 
you know, he, he he's cool. Uh, you know, he's just cool and exciting. And I think he's a great example too, of just like, even like a male character experiencing this, like people want to see something fascinating, you know, fascinating on screen aesthetically, whether it's, you know, from the way they dress to the way they act to the way they just behave, you know, games are such a unique medium because the player character is like an extension of you. It, it becomes an extension of you. That's why you see so many games have like silent protagonists. That way you can get closer to the character or you can yeah. customize the character to be how you want it. Um, game characters, play playable game characters, I feel like in a way they should be like the like epitome of something not not just like sexiness but epitome of cool or whether it be like morals or sort of just like goals or anything really like you want to like you want to latch onto them you know, want to get on their side because i'm going to be spending anywhere from four as little as like four hours to 80 hours with them Yep. And you, you don't want to be looking at something that just doesn't appeal you, you know, from as simple as just a player character. I think a player character should grab you from the get-go, you know. But obviously tonight, Bayonetta is such a, a great example, but I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves. Like, you see Bayonetta, fr like, right from the start, and you get exactly what this bitch is trying, what this she is trying to convey, what she wants, what she, you know, what she is. And you are immediately hooked from beat one. Like, mm -hmm. I think of, um, let me grab, uh, Lightning from Final Fantasy Thirteen, another gorgeous character. Like, and, again, you know, Lightning's not like Bayonetta. She's she's very cold and very like stuck up in a way and she's very harsh but like at the very least you're caught to her visually and you get her at the very least and mm -hmm. i feel like so many games they they fall into this pit of we have to make them talk like reddit in order for people to like <laughs> think that they're believable and which is like completely missing the point like yeah. being... i don't want to... video games <laughs> medium like beyond really any other medium i don't want to live where i lived currently i don't want to be anywhere near the life that i have right now that is the whole fucking point and like i know people talk about like other forms of like art or whatever as like a like an escapism thing but i think that there's so much more value in like recreating some simulation of life in like a novel or in a movie or whatever i really don't feel like there's much value in like beat for beat creating someone that you could essentially meet in real life or just anything i don't want to have like any sort of layover with like my life when i'm playing a video game yeah yeah sure. <clears throat> i mean they they're the common thing people always say about video games is it's quote-unquote escapist like you literally can go to fantastical realms that have like yeah, you you think in your mind and suddenly now they have visuals and oh I can play it too. I can play this sort of like fantasy that I've always wanted to be a part of. And that's always been something that has gravitated me to games, even from like a young age, being like exposed 
even even just like inane concepts like twisted metal was one of the first exposures for me and like as a dumb dumb mongoloid child i was like i want to blow up cars like with like yeah. but and like you know they're just like okay cool and we'll populate it with like over the top cool looking characters driving cool cars like you know that's a example from my past sort of thing but like i remember seeing where is it where is it i'm like pulling out games from my game shelf to show it's like mirror's edge another yeah, yeah. like you know which i talked about back uh episode two with zach um mirror's edge is like a pure escapist uh fantasy world where you play as this literal like fashion like uh fashion model you would see like on like a sporting goods like advertising the new running running equipment or whatever like you want to be her you want to live her fantasy or you know you want to live her reality in your fantasy world like i don't know i i think you know if i were to like just say like a thesis statement on the women question it's like i want to be like fascinated i want to be captivated by what i want to see on screen i want to be you know maybe not like i mean i can't speak for me because you know i'm gay but like <laughs> i want to see like you know this just like kind of birth from the recesses of some game developer's mind i want to see like what gets them excited whether it be just from a pure gameplay perspective or a story perspective or heck you know from their like what titillates them uh, perspective you know mm -hmm. i want to see game developers be inspired from something that comes from them specifically and you know bayonetta comes specifically from one person's mind hideki kamiya like you can tell that he was feeling some kind of way when he was making bayonetta <laughs> basically yeah no i agree i agree it i mean Video games are such a, a medium where you are, in many ways, I mean, in the perfect perfect circumstance, you're given, like, carte blanche to do whatever you want. You can create worlds and characters and concepts from anything, and you get to play that sort of thing. And mm -hmm. I feel like games just need to embrace that. They, they, they need, like, an explanation, as to why this exists you don't really need that as a word you can be like uh i'm going to like uh i'm trying to think of a good example recently that that embodies that it's, it's hard sometimes um shoot i mean like what's like a ip like there's a i'm looking at it right now um i don't know if you guys have heard of it beyond good and evil um you play as this like like this journalist woman uh on like these fantasy alien planets and you do like martial arts with like a pole as you take photographs of like <laughs> wildlife that's like the whole gameplay loop like <laughs> like you know that that's an inspired choice as it were now like now everything has to be filtered through what's going to sell well what's not going to annoy this group of people what's going to appease the market as a whole like well weirdly like i think like the gaming market is also the most like some of the pickiest yeah and i feel like uh, not even like beyond picky just like i think there's yeah. a lot of like this is beyond good and evil 
Oh, I do recognize the cover, but yeah, oh the God. lipstick. Lol. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> her her tur- her green green, green lipstick sweat. with the matching green bandana. <laughs> Me as a journalist. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going undercover as an <laughs> ugly bed. <laughs> <laughs> We, I have... we, need, we need a female character with horrible style. Yeah, horrible style is a bit. <laughs> oh, I, I love her. Her, her, her name is a. Uh, her name I think is Jade. Uh, and I, I kind of I love Beyond Good and Evil. It's it's very of the early, early mid two thousands. Let's just say that you know the aesthetics and everything. I love it from the good old days of Ubisoft. Um, yeah, but yeah, you were saying, um, where I've kind of, I lost track thinking about good right. people. <laughs> yeah. Well, just like the pickiness of everything is that I, I think especially for like big or like these, uh, attempted blockbuster games in general, like because of the fact that so many people are involved in the rollout of a video game and the development of it too, it feels like it's very difficult to get something authentic and something not workshop to shit like mm. we always talk about i think like the lifelessness of like a beyonce album is due to the fact that it has to fall on so many ears and mm. so many people have to okay it and so many people have to like be like yeah this is guaranteed to be a fucking smash before it can even touch anyone's eyes or ears or whatever yeah i mean the video that... game like that's why like the darlings but like the indie darlings that managed to break through, these are these teams that like don't have these external pressures in a lot of ways. Yeah, it games are such a in a very p- sticky situation because the industry makes more money than any other medium at this point. Uh, so it's like now publishers are just like, okay, well, how do we get the how do we break the sales record, as it were? How do we how do we top before like um because I've been thinking about it recently because uh, Resident Evil 4's remake is coming out next month. And, and Resident Evil is a good example. Like Resident Evil in the old days was a very survival horror, you know, tank controls, you know, very, very specific insp- inspiration. But it wasn't for everyone as it e- exactly. Then Resident Evil 4 comes out and now it's more action oriented and therefore you get more people in and then the five and six continued down this action route to the point where resident evil six comes out and it's basically an action game there's no survival horror other than like the aesthetics and suddenly you're making the most money you've ever done for this franchise but you know your your consumer base is like this is trash like you know, you've spat, you know, you've spat in the face of the franchise, which, you know, I hate Resident Evil 6. Let's just, you know, I've said that plenty of times, but the point, the big mom. Oh, no, that's eight, which came out, which I like eight. Eight's great. But I love her. I love that's my only point of reference for Resident Evil. I'm like, oh, the big mom. Yeah. Hey, I love her. You know, she's a, she's great. She's like arguably the best part of the game. But, you know, you, you, for, you know, you're you're Capcom, you are a publisher and a developer, and you have to go through these internal battles of saying, well, do I go and try to get the money, or do I try to make something that is inspired and specific and stays true to who we are or whatever? And Resident Evil went with the latter, 
they went back to survival horror and suddenly now Resident Evil's like back to making so much money and everyone loves it now. It's so, I, you know, this is such like a layered que- like topic point because I think a lot of people, a lot of people want to get into the ID poll sort of thing. Like the ID poll thing really, I don't care about. It's more just like, at the end of the day, I want inspiration. I want to, I want to feel something be inspired. You know, whether it's games or any other medium, I want there to be a specific reason that you did this. Like, whether it be like from, hey, I was inspired by this movie, this album, this show, whatever it might be. And I want to make that my gameplay or my game. Well, just any inspiration at all, like any like sort of concerted effort to like, I don't know, translate something that's actually meaningful. I mean, Mm -hmm. And yeah. that's like it's not exclusive to games i mean that kind of struggle with the medium i think is happening right now with like music too where yeah people are trying to cross over from their tiny little careers in like these sort of like micro indie things like i don't know people who aren't on labels yet wind up having to like deal with these machines of people who are like we really like what you're doing but we want it to be like way dumber yeah be able to crank it out into some sort of tiktok bullshit mm-hmm. and like it's always about like how can you make it like the cheapest and the most like flat and drab while also like preserving the aesthetic or like the general like the surface level vibe of a thing um but i think that that is like mm-hmm. playing like video games in that way yeah it's <laughs> i think like at the end of the day, I want like my female characters. I want them to be Laura Croft, old you know, old Laura Croft. Where realistically, if a woman like Laura Croft existed, she could literally fall over and not stand up straight. Like, you know, <laughs> I want that, or I want Bayonetta being yeah. like a literal like eight foot tall like fashion model that you know just <laughs> she's just yeah. it. She's the moment sort of thing. Yeah. Um, that's I I just wish people would just embrace that and not have to hide behind layers of sort of like protection away from like who they are or what inspires them. I think that's the main takeaway. And I guess to summarize this part of the discussion, um, I don't know if you guys have any other closing thoughts on the matter. Um, I had one question. Yes. With Bayonetta being Japanese. Yes. Are there any classic American sluts in video games? Well, I mean, Princess you know, it's inter- It's interesting. I mean, like Laura Croft's a British. I mean, one. like big titty sluts. Like, I mean, like not even. Mm. I don't think of what would be like the most because I feel like even I'm... in in a contemporary sense, I can't really think of anyone who's like a true bimbo. No, I, I really can't think of it. I mean, like, Laura Croft was made by <laughs> UK developers. Yeah. Like, they were made by a UK studio. Like, uh, like, hot, but, like, she's not exactly, like... She's not the most... Like, she's not bombastic. She's yeah. not, like... Yeah, I mean... Especially, like, the reboot ones where they made her more, like, realistic-looking. Like, like, original Laura is such, like... She, like, her like the way she looks is almost like a reflection of like every part of a woman that guys love. They love the big tits. They like the big ass, the snatch waist, the big lips, 
you know, the skin tight, you know, the skimpy clothing, you know, the shortest cargo shorts you've ever seen. Like she's in a tank top. Like it's a very like, I don't know. It's very like a guy's sort of like ideal vision of a woman as I guess in a way, like I'm trying to think of an American game, American female characters. I can't really think of off the top of my head. Cause a lot of, a lot of the female characters of American games, they almost feel like they are they're kind of like made for the specific era. Like I'm looking specifically at like S- the SSX franchise. Like all the, the women in those games, they look exactly like the women of the early 2000s sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Like they, they it feels like American games more embrace sort of a the at the moment cultural thing unless the game is like oh hey the game is set in the past or it's set in the future and the space you know uh mm-hmm. i can't really think off i'm trying to like you know i look to my game shelf to like see if there's any example of that like most, most of the iconic women i feel like come from elsewhere they come from japan we were talking about dead or alive, dead or alive. oh yeah the adjacent volleyball beach volleyball game mm-hmm. <laughs> just the fighting girls that just are in two pieces playing volleyball their titties are out. oh yeah and De- dead or alive specifically that dead or alive pissed off so many people because it was it was in a it was it was the epitome of male chauvinism or whatever like having these beautiful yeah it was just like why wouldn't you want to play as like a big busty girl playing volleyball like I want to play a game where the whole point is to go tanning. Right. Like, I, like, I want to be like, take your outfit and lay down. Like yeah. that's like the ideal game to me. I, I did have a question. So Samus, right? We all know Samus, zero suit Samus, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Samus always canonically like a woman. Did they make that decision when they created Samus, or was that something that they decide to hmm. well, later? The very first Metroid which was from the eighties. Like there was a code where you could have her in a bikini. You could oh. have, you could oh. have her in a bikini and you could okay. like, or you could play around with her in like a leotard. Oh, so okay. like, even oh, from it? the get go, like she, I mean, she didn't look like zero suit Samus as we know today, but like she was still like, you know, big eighties hair in like this, like bikini, which was a secret code, I believe. Um, if you like beat the game or something, I can't remember the exact way to get that but like and it's it's like a reward sort of thing (laughs) and she's all she does is she's like waving to you in her bikini on like in space like cute her jazzercise shoot yeah (laughs) it's but yeah like i feel like a lot of the sort of iconic female characters that i look i revere and idolize do come from japan they do come from like european studio i mean for me like you know I'm a Metal Gear fan. Like Metal Gear is purely Japanese, comes from a specific man, Hideo Kojima, and he has specific luck likes and uh he has specific tastes. Uh you know, I was talking about with, with uh Fog Brain, and it's like for Metal Gear Solid 5, if you guys looked up uh Quiet, uh she was a character that pissed off a lot of people. Uh She's in like literally like ripped up like mesh and a bikini holding a sniper rifle. 
Oh, oh no way! Hold on, I think we're looking it up. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah, she's cunty. Oh my god, cunt. Yeah, and people were just work. Yeah, and and she's amazing, and people were just like, like why Kojima? Like yeah, they're just like, huh? What does this mean? Sort of thing. And it's just like Kojima's like. Oh yeah, just play the game and you'll figure out her backstory and you'll be like And her name is quiet. Her name is quiet and her titties yeah. are so <laughs> Yeah, and the literally the, she has a quote reason for wearing that and it's because she can't speak. If she speaks, uh, if uh speak. these parasites will be unleashed and it's like a voice parasite. What? Yeah, so why does she wear a horse suit? Because she has to breathe through her skin. She breathes through her skin. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. But, you know, it, it was very silly at the time. But, like, at the same time, like, I love her because she is the way she is. Like, I, I don't question it as a, a lot of people want to question her. Like, I mean, this, there's so many great Metal Gear women throughout yeah, history that you would love. Like, I love uh, the Metal Gear too, yeah, because try to make it like functional they're like no she has to look like this yeah no exactly well in yeah, my in my mind she, she has can't to... breathe yeah, <laughs> yeah. She, can't breathe. she has to take her top how off how dare you say that to her oh my god help i can't breathe so i take my bra off <laughs> yeah no yeah exactly no ex literally but like i would i would not want quiet to look any different i was like that's how she is supposed to look kojima wanted her to be that but you know like she's a great example of like game women i love like uh if i don't know if you guys i'm sure the uh, metal gear solid 4 the main villains of the game are these women called the beauty and the beast unit uh where they i i'm I, for one their faces are modeled off supermodels nice and they're wearing skin tight latex outfits like covered in like basically a a shine and all they do is like scream and moan that's all they do yeah they're really cool yeah no and that like i'm i guess what i'm trying to get is like i love metal gear women they're such amazing people like meryl or sniper wolf or yeah, I mean, Meryl and Sniper Wolf are amazing. But yeah, I, I guess to wrap it up, it's just like game developers, be inspired. Don't don't pussyfoot. You no, know, that's it. Yeah, my, my, last, out. my last two sets is that I, I used to play MMOs and like I play League of Legends now. Always. I will always go for the female characters. I want to look pussy. I want to feel kind. If if I have to pay $20 for a new outfit to look more pussy, I'm going to do it. Right. That is the audience. That's what people want. This mm -hmm. is also a rite of passage for gay people. Think of all the helpless gay men out there who are going to have nothing if you take away all of the beautiful, large-breasted characters. Or not even the large-breasted characters, just Princess Peach. Like, yeah. Dude, like, don't let Princess Peach be Princess Peach. Oh. <laughs> what are we left with? Yeah. It's funny you bring up her. Have you ever heard of the... I think it's a DS game... It was her, it was Princess Peach's own game. It was like Super Princess Peach or something. Yes, I think I, so. I love that game because the mechanic is about using her emotions to get through levels. So oh. like you can just like make her cry and like be mad. Like I it's, love him. That's where it's, it's, she does her own thing and she has to save Mario and Luigi. That is so cute. She's used her emotions. She has to be in touch with her. Yeah, like she, like there. I think it. I think it was a DS game. It was. And it was like 3DS. I think mm -hmm. it's something. One of the one of the DSs. Uh, 
and you had to like use her very like her like anger or, or like her crying to like progress through levels because like crying would do something different her being mad would do something different like it was so, <laughs> I, I I just brought it up because I, I always think that's so funny and a lot of like the sort of third wave feminists were like that game is just making bad stereotypes I'm just like well well I mean, you do use your emotions to get through life yeah like exactly I wouldn't you know I follow my emotions do you are you emotionless I cry at work all the time <laughs> <laughs> Literally all the time. Yeah, playing the emotional beach game gets too real. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I I spend every day playing the beach game. <laughs> exactly. I mean, what everyone should honestly. Um, but yeah, I think to wrap this conversation up, be inspired game developers. But I think this is a great time to segue into the very first game of the duology tonight, which is Bayonetta. Bayonetta. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> <I'll>... <laughs> Yeah, Bayonetta. finally finds John's soul in mm. hell and she's like oh, did you need a wake you need to up kiss <laughs> yeah that's so so perfect like cool. I it's, it's like do you need a good morning kiss yes. do you need a wake up kiss or something I love when it's just like such a serious like meta dialogue and then she comes in at the end that's like fuck yeah yeah <laughs> crisis like hey right how she just breaks the yeah she breaks the tension she breaks the tension she's she's she doesn't need a comedic relief she is the comedic relief yeah Yeah. it's so funny because the comedic relief is deeply unfunny (laughs) (laughs) but yeah it's like you were never more much of a morning person were you Mm -hmm. it's just like this this naked ethereal jean just like where the fuck am i jean is gorgeous i love jean so much yeah she's perfect i mean bayonetta and jean are just such perfect characters in these first two games Mm -hmm. uh but yeah uh, to start off to the first game bayonetta 
Bayonetta 1, whatever you want to call it, uh, first came out October 29th, 2009. It was a PlayStation 3 and Xbox 360 game at first, uh, eventually ported to every Nintendo console. It's, it's on. It's actually on PS4 also. It's on PC and Xbox One. I mean, Bayonetta 1 is very easy to play right now. I mean, uh, everyone should play it, to be honest. But it is a game developed by Platinum Games, a very famous Japanese studio. It's directed by Hideki Kamiya, who is a very famous game developer. He's made, honestly, some of the most iconic games in history. Resident Evil 2, Devil May Cry, Beautiful Joe, Okami uh wonderful 101 uh the can you know he he's everywhere like he every famous game you've probably heard of he's probably been a part of like he i'm trying to think of anything else he's been a part of i mean he's a famous action game developer and so bayonetta was the one of the first games made by Platinum Games when they started off as a company. And it's very much a spiritual successor to Devil May Cry as Hideki Kamiya created that franchise. He wanted to sort of a take the genre to the next level, take the stylish action, character action, hack and slash, whatever you want to call this genre of games. He wanted to take it to the next level and he wanted a beautiful woman to be the star instead of a beautiful man so uh you see this reflected in every part of this game i mean this game is truly off the walls um it you uh well for other than one that you fight the you know angels that are the size of like skyscrapers and you are uh you know, you're fighting against uh, literally at the end the god of creation, more or less. <laughs> like, the game is insane. Like, skyscrapers are leveled in fights, towns or cities are destroyed, but it doesn't matter because you're looking beautiful while you do it. Uh, but yeah, it, Bayonetta is one of the stalwarts, one of the pinnacles of this genre. Uh, in many ways, Bayonetta was keeping this sort of style of game alive in the early 2010s. Uh, so I, I asked you guys to play this, uh, play Bayonetta 1 and 2 for the very first time. And I want to hear your guys' opinion. What do you think of Bayonetta 1? Girl. <laughs> I mean... Uh... It was so, like, I had been anticipating playing for so long. And I think finally playing it, there's no proper way to really prepare. Like, I think mm -hmm. I really thought I knew what, because I wanted to avoid any kind of gameplay, watching any videos before I played it. And you really don't get the full gist of the Bayonetta character unless you spend some time with her. Like, right yeah. at the you get her personality. You get the little quirks that she does. Like, yeah, it's her, it's, it's her accent. It's her mannerisms. It's everything. She's... She's super cool. And then you see her fight angels. It's it's a lot of fun. I don't really do well with those types of beat-em-ups and the having to do a boss fight over and over until you get what the boss is about. Um, but I really wanted to keep playing, like not just because for this, but because I really wanted to challenge myself and I wanted to spend more time with this character. Mm -hmm. I had a really fun time with Bayonetta 1. I'm such a huge fan of like religious themes and imagery. And oh, yeah. Stuff. Huge fan of all of that. And I think the 
enemy designs are so insanely cool mm-hmm. the, the detail in the enemies like they could be like pieces in a church you know it, it's crazy yeah. and then you get introduced like the demons as well mm-hmm. you kind of really start to figure out because you it's there's a lot that's that you have to figure out along the way like it's really not easy to jump into yeah um, yeah but once you do start to put the pieces together, it's like, yeah, the main character doesn't have memory, so it makes sense that you're yeah. struggling to figure out what the fuck is going on in this universe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and once it clicks, I just got like so engrossed in it, and it made me decided to play like Bayonetta two. Oh so yeah. What do you oh. think? What do you think of Bayonetta one, Nick? <laughs> I came. I started playing it like really fresh off of like a really long obsession with Shin Megami Tensei five. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> There's a lot of overlap between those two things. Like, I do feel like it was a really good, like, transition between those two. The best, like, obviously besides Bayonetta herself, which is, like, there are no words to just describe. Like, every possible liberty that they could have taken with this character is taken. It's, like, the all, like, between both of these games, the one and two, it's, like, like it's, for someone like me, complete wish fulfillment. It's, like, <laughs> Of course, like the way that you lock onto an enemy, it's like a, it's like a lips, it's yeah, like lips kissing, or it's like to unlock a door. There's like a pole she has to spin down. Oh, yeah, or <laughs> yeah, when she unlocks, you know, when the the demon stuff like blocks, it and she, all she does to unlock it is a kiss. <laughs> yeah, exactly. At the end of a boss fight, where it's like snapshot, snapshot. snapshot. Oh yeah, the snapshot, and she's like posing. She's posing at you and looking at the player. It's just, it's so. I Literally. love every I love everything that they've done. With or like it. at the end of a battle where like you get rated on how well you did. Whenever you get the pure platinum medal, she goes, oh. <laughs> mm. it's, it's just so like just it was such sick. It made me feel like I was like giddy and laughing the whole time because it just made me feel like it was just sick wish fulfillment. And, and so like everything I wanted. <laughs> so purposeful because like they are the witches and they all have the personality. When you think of Jean, she has a similar like yeah kind of like locker room talk vibe. Yeah. <laughs> the, like the angels and like the are they lumens? They're called lumens. Yeah, the lumen sages. Lumen sages. They are so like speaking from the Bible. And then here comes Bayonetta and the Witches just completely having modern day slang. And it's <laughs> just such a great juxtaposition. It's so, yeah. it's, it's cool. Or like really all the characters that are on your side speak in this kind of like, the fuck out of here! Fuck yeah. This <laughs> like street jive, like turkey shit. It's just very like, I don't know, just the mashup of everything. It's like, yeah, super, it's... super contemporary, super, super biblical. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's, it's so... Uh, what's the proper term? It's like ideoclat or whatever that proper that term is. It's like so many clashing <laughs> things that like on paper should not work. Like mm. this very religious, very, you know, angels versus demons, this sort of like light versus darkness sort of theme. And your vessel into this world is like, the biggest sex bomb who's ever existed and she knows it like she's bayonet is not not like a she's not like a meta character but she knows she's the star of the stuff of the game like she you know even despite the fact that she has amnesia she still knows that like the game's care camera is all about her she knows that like someone the camera literally yeah, yeah she She's like the most hyper feminine creation as a, I think, 
my uh, dear beloved mutual Miss Retarded once said, she's a hyper, she's a hyper feminine, like pagan creation, uh, purely meant for homosexual males. And it's all about reveling in that sort of fantasy of being her or just like being a being with her on this like bizarre very bizarre and outlandish story that honestly makes zero sense like uh bayonetta 2 is bayonetta 2 makes even less sense like you know this whole game is about bayonetta trying to remember you know remember who you are bayonetta like that's basically <laughs> like the gist of the game is like remember who you are and like <laughs> she it's already that her name at that I'm sorry spoiler alert no. but it's revealed that her name is Cereza but I kept thinking Cerveza like the beer <laughs> remember who you are Cereza I'm Corona Light yeah she she's <laughs> Cerveza she's gonna get a, a dose equis. Yeah, oh, the Spanish bayoneta. Yeah. Yeah, La bayoneta. Bayoneta. Yeah. But you know, I think honestly, if like I had infinite amount of time, I think all three of us would point to like every little bit of detail that makes Bayonetta uh, like the best character design ever. I mean, from the fact that her high heels are guns. To the the fact that her suit is her hair to the Eric. the the we the long beehive the Sarah Palin esque face with the glasses the long flowing ribbons to the uh beautiful little you know chest shots and the her her back's fully exposed <laughs> like it, when she like charges up and has to let it go it's yeah. just like it's it's all this like this build it's like this crazy. And the combat is so like tense. And oh yeah, the combat's like fun. Like I mm-hmm. have like trying to get used to it, but once you start to figure it out, it's so much fun. It's and so yeah. when you be like, "Oh, you didn't get me. Oh, you didn't get me again." Oh yes. yeah, and and the game just revels yeah. in it because of which time you know if you do a good dodge, the game goes into slow mo, and you get to to wail on the enemies like crazy. I mean, it it's so I. I there's so many games where it's just like, you know, they have a strong that, you know, they have a good aesthetic, but it's like Bayonetta is aesthetic is like, so it is like dripping and just like full, like, like just aesthetic influences. Like even from like arguably the very cheap looking cutscenes where it's like the static film films, film <laughs> screen, like stills. It even though, like, I, yeah, yeah, it's these iMovie esque cutscenes sometimes where clearly they ran, they didn't have the budget, um, because you know they they wasted their budget on the other cutscenes that are have some of the most immaculate choreography ever done. Where, especially like the scenes where it's Bayonetta and John together, and they're all like posing together and like there, there's like the one scene where they're like on that like that that rock slab and they're like on either side and like twirling on it it's like i i can't i mean even though devil may cry has this like because the the uh, cinematic director of bayonetta worked on devil may cry i don't even think he could devil may cry never got to this level of lunacy like and it's it's like basically campy but you know and the game only 
barely acknowledges it. Like it sometimes will do like a little wink to the camera. It's like, we know how stupid this is. We know how insane this is, but it's just like, but but you're, you're going to sit, you're sitting your ass down and you're playing this and you're not going to leave. It feels, it feels like Bayonetta saying, sit down, babe, I'll take care of this. Yeah. Yeah. Like the banana shaped lollipop that like ups your damage or does whatever. Right. Those little details are so fun. And can't be, but you, yeah, you don't, you can't really, you know, it's just like this, true like, camp or not. The other thing, too, is like the the reason why SMT into this, I felt like was such a good transition is like the way that it makes like angels in heaven and God like evil and like, like evil, just absolute monsters from hell. Yeah. <laughs> Literally, like, yeah, total monsters. And like that was the other, like, it's so satisfying because I feel like the character designs for the angels are actually a lot scarier than. Oh yeah, like the demons, and they would say like very like scary biblical shit, like Racist. speaking in tongues and all kinds yeah. of shit. And then Bayonetta would be like, "Bitch, bitch. Yeah, she's, yeah, you, she's look just... you look ugly." Yeah, right? She's just like, "Flock off, feather face." Yeah. <laughs> Damn, your mother gave birth to you, bitch. Like, yeah, right. Like, Those kind of one-liners is just yeah. Which which is a very which is <laughs> yeah. very in in the tradition of Devil May Cry, where Devil May Cry is. It's not Devil May Cry's sort of setup is that you play as a half, a half demon, half human person, uh, man, and you're fighting demons. Uh, it doesn't have any angel until Devil May Cry Four introduces like angel angelic figures. Mm-hmm. Um, but like Devil May Cry, because they're so they're very identical games. You know, they're made by the same guy, and he's clearly pulling from a lot of influences of just like he. Hideki Kamiya wants to be like the coolest guy in the room. And um, there's a great image of him online, uh, him when he was younger, standing next to his mom. And he's like in a leather jacket doing like this pose next to his like 50 year old mom in Japan. And it's <laughs> like this like UK bomber jacket sort of thing. Like he, he, he believes he's these characters. And that's what I think makes sells it so well. And I think because Bayonetta is like who she is it like that vision works like I I mean I love Dante from Devil May Cry like there's a specific you know he's a different take on that idea but when you just throw it when you throw Bayonetta into the mix uh it's just like magic I mean I mean her 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 name Bayonetta it's a play on a word of bayonet Mm-hmm. Like she is a weapon that will strike. Like, I mean, the fact that her like her attacks with the guns is her just like sticking her arm out and like shooting the gun. She's like, she's a weapon. Yeah, I mean, right, right. And like the whole hair usage too. Like she's summoning the demons with like her hair and making oh, portals my with God, her hair. It's, it's so good. Yeah, it's her. Like she's. I, I always laugh because I I can't unhear it because I saw someone say. Oh yeah, there's like one demon she summons, and it sounds like she's saying avocado, avocado. <laughs> yeah, that was the other thing is that I couldn't remember, I could not figure out what the fuck she was saying because I died so much in this game. Yeah, I died so much. <laughs> yeah. When I meant when I said I'm bad at video games, I fucking meant it. <laughs> I played this shit on easy. I don't, I didn't beat the game because there was one part in it where there were like two demons that I just couldn't get past. Like I played for so long, hours and hours and hours, and every time you die. 
it says the shadow remains cast, but the way that it sounds, it goes, the shadow remains cunt. <laughs> saying that like in my house alone, like losing my mind. <laughs> the shadow as, remains as, like bayonetus, bayonetus comatose in hell, basically. It's like, <laughs> and I was also like, who is yelling that? Yeah, right. <laughs> like, who is saying that the shadow still remains cast? Oh, yeah, God. I don't know. I mean, the shadow remains cunt. I don't know. Sure. And also, fun fact, little piece of Bayonetta trivia here. Um, Lady Gaga once said that she loves Bayonetta and she thought that they were saying the shadow remains tough. Uh, oh, yeah, but she had, she had that weird... How many years ago was that when she was like randomly quote-unquote playing it? I don't know if she was. She was completely lying. No, it, it was definitely one of her... It was one of her interns was playing it and he's like, well, I have the Lady Gaga account on my phone. Yeah, and I'm just gonna say that this bitch is playing Bayonetta because like, yeah, then everyone was saying like, "Oh, Lady Gaga should do the the music for the third game." It's like, you think she's gonna oh, do that? Jesus Christ, <laughs> Lady Gaga doing. Um, <laughs> I also played both of these on the Wii U, on the gamepad. Oh, I have um, uh, I like you're a sick, twisted person. You're like one of the few people. Yeah. You, I'm sick and evil, and I found because I found it. I found the Wii U version first. I was like hunting for the dual pack that comes with both, and I just found the Wii U one for like twenty five dollars. And I'm one of six people who owns a Wii U. Oh yeah, I'm one of them too. I bought a Wii U because of Bayonetta too. I love my oh, Wii U. Yeah, nice. I fucking love my Wii U. I love your Wii U. A great the, the, the Wii U is great such a bizarre, the Wii U is such a bizarre little system. <laughs> it's so fucking weird. It's, it's like a toy for a baby. It's like a, it's like a leapster. That 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 touchpad controller is so cheap. It's so <laughs> awful. It's like big. It's, it's yeah, it's so big awful. and hon- it's big honking sh- slab of plastic. But like, like I don't know the the few exclusives that were on it were kind of fun. I mean, Bayonetta was one of them eventually, which is we'll get to that part, which is fascinating. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I mean, Bayonetta is so. It's amazing how she opened the doors more or less for so many possibilities, but like no one wanted to touch it because like one, she nailed it from the get go. Like day game one, she she nailed it. Like I don't, it's hard to think of like how they could have improved a concept like this. And then like people are just like, well, we if we try to do the same thing, it's gonna come off as like. Not as like how Bayonetta does it. It's so yeah. Because how could you like? What would you do to even attempt to make a competitive game with this? Like how oh. would you come? Like what would you do to like? I'm gonna go up against Bayonetta and like make it. Better. Oh, you, you're gonna fail. You're gonna fail yeah. if you, uh, it's it's so. There's really no game like Bayonetta, and I don't think there will be another game like Bayonetta one and two. I mean. From from Bayonetta herself or to the cast of characters, which are goofy. I mean, other than John. John I hate every character in this game. Except for Bayonetta and John. I like Rodan. Rodan's cool. Oh, I like Rodan. Rodan. Yeah. Yeah, Rodan. Yeah, but Enzo Enzo can, you know, dump die in a fire. Fuck um, Enzo. Fuck that. Fuck you, that. you don't like Luca. Luca's a bumbling little oaf. I like Luca. He's no. So Luke, Luca's Luca's cute. Like I like he, Luca's like bumbling nature, trying to be cool. But like, like he definitely better- in two and then yeah, two, yeah. two, two he's better like one in two, I would in one i would not yeah no. yeah his <laughs> cow, his cowboy outfit in yeah, two exactly. it, i mean but like bayonetta 
from her cast of characters or to the, to put it lightly, insane story. Like, I, I think I said this, like, Bayonetta story makes no sense, but that's okay. Because it's all about the experience. Like, what Bayonetta is? is about going on the roller coaster. You're going through 40 loop-de-loops in a row, and it's the greatest thing ever. Like, you start off fighting. The game opens on you falling from a cliffside on a clock tower with your bestie. And you have no introduction, and you're getting lore dumped at the same time. And, and you've never been taught how the game plays or anything. And it's just like, well, have fun. Figure this out. I love, uh, I love the story game, though. Like, yeah. I love that. Yeah, the story, I mean... I, you like, kind of know what you're doing. Yeah, I mean, I love it, too. It's not to say that it's bad. It's just, like, the story just... It just goes places, such as, like, you know... <laughs> The fact that the game involves like constant amnesia subplots, it involves uh, like battles against angels and demons, it involves uh, time travel, it involves uh, Bayonetta face dealing with her father, uh, dealing with her younger self, which yep. I loved every scene when little Bayonetta, little Cereza is on screen. She was. Yeah. I just, I, that that that's the one scene in the game where she's like she meets little Cereza and it's just like would you quit calling me mummy he's <laughs> <laughs> like well, but mummy it's, and she's and like Ben is like <laughs> like yeah, it's like <laughs> which reminds me of another great scene she's like well Luca I don't know I don't do you think I would know anything about children but making them <laughs> so good so yeah, yeah, she's. I. It would be easy to be like, well, you could make this like more structured or more simplified, but I think that the story of Bayonetta and also the story of two, but we'll get to two. I think these fit exactly the tone and aesthetic that Bayonetta goes for. I mean, it's clearly inspired, like you know, Hideki Kamiya because he's also the writer of the game, like. He wanted these weird, like film, film reel snapshots to tell the story. He wanted these absurd, highly choreographed action scenes. He wanted a scantily clad Sarah Palin woman doing combat in gun, stilet gun stilettos, like, and he wanted the glasses because the glasses are not coming off. Uh, he he wanted everything that this game has, and I think that's why this game has such a beloved cult following. I mean, maybe not cult. I mean, the game sold like almost two million copies, which is a you know a fairly big big amount of people who bought it. Um, but I think that's why people so are so diehard about Bayonetta. Is like no other game is like Bayonetta. Like you know people loved the specific things that are in this game i mean there's the you know the enemy that's the doppelganger of bayonetta and mm -hmm. the introduction of that enemy is them posing against each other they're doing a pose off <laughs> like okay. where it where it's capped off where bayonetta spreads her legs up in the air and like a poof of pink smoke appears like <laughs> next to her like she's on a concert stage like <laughs> or when she's even introduced she has magic spotlights like on her yeah. and she's like like in the air it's like 
Uh, like, it's so inc- I've never seen anything like this then back in the day or since it's so amazing yeah. and what really ties it in for me was like they so skillfully like peppered in her moments of vulnerability like in two when she first saves Loki from drowning and she thinks he's dead she's kind of like oh shit like I don't want him to die we see at that moment mm-hmm. and then at the end of two as well um and I like it because they 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 kind of give you that little bit. Like she is still human. She still has that little part in her, but she's still goofy, silly. Goes right back to being Bayonetta after that. Like they don't give you too much of that, which I really like. So yeah. it's just it's so well rounded. Yeah, they they pepper in the moments to get her get you to really connect with her. I mean, and and one, it's very centered on you know her trying to understand why Luca has so much resentment for her or to Cereza. Or to like figuring out her relationship with Jean, like, and honestly to herself, like you come to really appreciate her for in those quiet moments when things are slow and not so like slapping you in the face. Uh, so that when those slapping in the face moment happens, you're just like, oh yeah, yeah, I just like, yeah, there you go, Bayonetta sort of thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's such a beautiful, it's not like, Bayonetta is like a shapes Shakespeare script or anything. It's you know, it you know it's Bayonetta. Like, but I think it does exactly what it has to do to get where it needs to go. Like, mm-hmm. by the time you reach you know Isla de Sol and you are rocket shitting, rock not rocket shitting, uh, rocket shipping, rocket <laughs> shitting. <laughs> <laughs> but you're going, you're going, you're going into space resurrecting the creator Jubile- Jubileus as Jean is riding up this thing in a motorcycle uh, to save her bestie uh, and then have a fight against the the uh, the creator of the universe and then you summon a demon you know Shiva and you punch the creator of the universe into the sun and then <laughs> and, and then like the credits roll and then John stops the credit roll and then you have to destroy the remnants of Jubileus. Like it's just like just every like every single liberty you could have taken. It's like every like little bit of bait where you think that they're like, are they gonna do that? Like are they really like it's sitting right there? Like, are they gonna take that joke? Are they gonna go for that thing? They do. They do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean it's such a game that and what's so amazing too, in the context of the time, like platinum games they had only made like i think only a handful like barely like i think two games at the time and they were not of this scale and so to have like this monumental project be so confident and so clear-sighted about what it wants to be and they nail it like yeah <laughs> I, I can't imagine what a bit what it was like because sega was the publisher of this game like what did they know exactly what they were getting into when they published this? Like, I can't imagine, like, they would have known that they were greenlighting and funding a game where you fight, literally, you fight God and punch him in the sun. And then, you know, (laughs) like, I don't think they understood that that possibly was going to be the ending of this game. Like, it's, it's incredible. I mean, Bayonetta 1 is so triumphantly confident in itself that like even the points in the game that are frustrating like I'm not a fan of 
the bike scene, like the bike level where you have to like ride on the motorcycle. I don't think that's really that good or where she's riding the missile and like yeah. has the stupid decision of rotating the camera three, a full 360 as you like do a dodge. I'm like, that's stupid, but I'm okay with dealing with those because it's a part of this wild fucking ride. Yeah. Like it, it's, it's the roller coaster game and it is it in this roller coaster is dri driven by you know the true you know a like womanly figure driving her the the ship and she's finding herself and taking control of everything and it's like yes you know it's total slay it's slayage the whole way it's total slay yeah yeah so insane yeah yeah and uh i guess just as a i don't think anyone is ever going to play this version of the game don't play the ps3 version it's legitimately bad like <laughs> the it it was it was very much the epitome of ps3 games don't run well because no one knows how to make games for it and so bayonetta 3 bayonetta 1 on the ps3 is like borderline like unplayable uh just get it for your Switch, because I know a lot of you have a Switch, or get it for your PS4. Like you I can get Switch. It, I played it in bed, and um, it did uh, give me really weird dreams. <laughs> <laughs> I played Mario Switch. I loved it. Yeah, I mean, you. Uh, I guess to wrap up the Bayonetta one section of the game, it's just like play the fucking game. Like see what experience what we're talking about. This like pure joy that we have for this game. Like it's so magical there's really i mean what a triumphant start to this franchise like rarely is a game where rarely is a game so confident and triumphant and so poised about what it wants to be and i i really just just, just play bayonetta see what we're talking about play it. like it's such an experience it. there's no way to really truly prepare someone for it except just like doing it like you just have it's, to do it exactly and i think that will take us in to the second game of tonight, which is Bayonetta 2.
This uh, seems a vast leap for me. Uh, yeah. It, I, yeah. It, Bay, so Bayonetta... Okay, so this is a very unique circumstance. So Bayonetta 2 came out originally in October 24th, 2014, five years later. And it became... Bayonetta became a Nintendo exclusive IP, which was shocking at the time extremely controversial back in the day because rarely does a franchise where it had it's on so many consoles and then suddenly it goes to a console it was never on and suddenly becomes an exclusive that was that rarely ever happened you know nintendo saved bayonetta 2 it saved bayonetta as a franchise uh because sega at the time was uh, going through financial restructuring and they didn't feel confident. You know, Bayonetta 2 was like halfway done in development and Sega decided not to fund it anymore. And so Platinum had to ship this game to so many different people. They even, they even shipped it to like Microsoft, they shipped it to Sony and they said no, but at the last minute Nintendo came in and they said, yeah, we'll fund this. We'll, we'll give you the pub we'll publish this game for you it it will be a wii u exclusive and Work. you know this this is one of the few moments in the modern age of nintendo i'm just like this is exactly what i want you to do fund these out there concept games that are just so outside of your comfort zone you know get you know get out of the family friendly and embrace the bayonetta and this was such a it was such a shocking moment you know, a lot of people were complaining that they had to buy a Wii U to play this game. I mean, <laughs> fair, because no one owned a Wii U. Me and Nick are two of the six people who owned one. Um, but... We're gonna... Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but uh, it's also available on your Switch. So, if, hey, I know there's probably a bunch of you who have a Switch, because everyone has a Switch. Uh, play it on that. Um but yeah, Bayonetta 2 is basically Bayonetta 1, but it irons it, it irons out any little things. It adds just enough and it just kind of it kind of like trims the fat a little bit. There there really isn't much for me to really complain about Bayonetta 2. I mean, the, the only thing I could really ever say is like there's a lot of flying segments, but that's it. Yeah. Uh but Bayonetta 2, I, I once heard Bayonetta 2 was called the miracle sequel because Bayonetta, Bayonetta was basically on the verge of dying and it got saved. And I'm, I'm grateful that Nintendo saved this franchise. I'm grateful that this game exists because it's more or less just more, more Bayonetta and how can I complain about that, you know? Mm-hmm. It's more, it's prettier. Oh, yeah. I feel like the combat's smoother. I felt like the writing was funnier and sharper. Yeah. I felt like there was so much less, like, bloated middle section of, like, I didn't feel like I was, I I don't know. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, Bayonetta 2 does not have, like, in Bayonetta 1, where it just feels like you're kind of going randomly from place to place and the story is not going forward sort of thing like yeah, yeah. exactly bayonetta 2 definitely feels like there is constant momentum it's like a very uh, clear like linear yeah until there's not and then you're gone over and over hey we, we take our break you know we have our little <laughs> divergence and then we yeah. keep going exactly 
true. It's um, not it's not as egregious as like we're banned or it's like you get to the you go from you're stuck in Vigrid for like two thirds of the game sort of thing. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, Bayonetta two just keeps this keeps the engine rolling as it were. Yeah. Um, you know the game the game has a little you know Bayonetta she's got a new look she's a sexy librarian with her short haircut. Which, I mean, for me and I say this including Bayonetta three like Bayonetta two is my favorite Bayonetta design. Uh, I'm glad that they got rid of the sepia tone that was in the first game. Yeah, I love I love the color aesthetic of this. Like the blue and gold look of this game is gorgeous. The angels uh, are shinier. Yeah. Oh yeah, the angels are just more shinier. Which just more mm -hmm. Yeah, it, uh, everything is so like it feel like <laughs> in a way like the game's aesthetic gives off Versace in a way. Which yeah, literally, <laughs> it, it's which just you know it adds to the whole glamour of Bayonetta as like a fashion icon in a way. Like, mm -hmm. uh, I mean, the game opens up, which by the way, Bayonetta Two is a great Christmas game. It takes place during Christmas. It's uh, true. It's uh, true. You know, you open on Bayonetta shopping with her bestie John, getting Christmas presents, and like. Bayonetta's in her like ten thousand dollar Chanel dress in her Sunday bests, mm -hmm. as she calls it, and then suddenly angels appear, and she has to fight him with John, and then suddenly Bayonetta, one her her demon dragon friend companion, whatever you want to call it, suddenly attacks her, and Jean steal uh Jean's soul is dragged to hell, and Bayonetta has to go to Fimbleventer. Which is a silly name. Yeah. She has to go to Fimbleventer in Europe. If was it Europe or something? Mm -hmm. uh, she has to go to Fimbleventer to the mountain to uh, find the gates of hell and uh, rescue Jean from hell to reunite her soul with uh, her body. And so, I I got a sense from like messaging you guys that I think Bayonetta two was your fav both of your favorites. So, I, what what was your what is your review of Bayonetta 2, yeah. you guys? Also, the whole game takes place in a day, right? Because she only has a day. Oh, yeah. It's like, oh, yeah. She, it's day. a day. Yeah, it takes place in a day. The whole game is a day. And it's so funny because that in itself is such a play on, like, the time shit. Yeah. When the whole game just takes place in a day. It's it's so cool already. Girl, when you're on which time, you can get all that done. Yeah, I'm on which time. <laughs> it was like, I have finished... I started playing the first Bayonetta after I played SMT a bunch. Mm -hmm. And then I started playing this one very quickly after I finished playing God of War Ragnarok. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so it has like the, the, I really like the way that Bayo 2 kind of does this like horrible, like hodgepodge of like Norse mythology, like Greek mythology shit, where they're just like pulling a little bit from everybody, all of the like terms and things and gods and whatever that they can pick and just throwing it all in a blender and they don't give a fuck what it actually means yeah exactly and his role in bayonetta 2 has legit nothing to do it's... with like the actual like myth of him yeah it's insane. Um, yeah it... <laughs> to say that bayonetta uses any sort of like religious inspiration or like uh various regional mythological yeah, mythological stuff to say that Bayonetta just uses it as set dressing, like it yeah, that that is that is the whole point. It's like 
you don't have to get into the nitty gritty. It just, you know, it seems magical and mystical, and that's all that matters. Like, why does Loki have the personality of someone that should be on Love Island? <laughs> why does Why does Loki? You, me, Dad. Oi, that's a proper bird over there. A proper bird made. I'm like, proper made up. Like, why, why does Loki look like a Yu Gi Oh reject? Yeah, Literally. Like the, the pyramid was the And he's supposed to be fucking and then also he's like the, the squirrel like from the Norse mythology of the fucking squirrel. Because she keeps referring to him as like a little magician and that's when I was like oh I get it like because Loki is like the, the yeah. kind of guy but like he turns into a hamster that also has a chain. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he is like literally like the like the Exodia. <laughs> the Exodia. <laughs> <laughs> puzzle, girl. Yeah, but, you know that doesn't matter. You know Loki having having the Millennium Puzzle as a squirrel does not matter. It's just you know part of the experience. It's like, yeah. It matters when like some of the the fight scenes and some of the boss fight scenes are so just like breathtaking and beautiful. So like you're watching good. a movie. Like you're. I don't know how they like made it sometimes. Like, I don't know how they coded this. I don't know what the bounds are, but it was just, it's insane what they got away with. This one introduces the the torture attack that involves them running on a treadmill into um <laughs> into like these like spikes, these rotating spikes. <laughs> yeah, no, the that was, that was, that was like <laughs> Yeah. yeah, the that was the thing we didn't mention in the first one. It's like the torture attacks are incredible. Like these like quick time oh. events. Like oh. they're they're so over the top and just like BDSM like quick little BDSM like trips. It's like literally, it's 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 just for a little bit, you know. Like you know, that's all you need. Like Bayonetta will maybe reference that like later in the game. Who knows? But like, yeah, that's all you need. But but like. <laughs> and I love like my favorite part about both of these games I think but especially I feel like they like really honed it in the second one every time a significant boss fight starts they have the book <laughs> that opens and closes oh, yeah. and it's love like it. all the enemies are named like hate jealousy it's like, it's like the contempt yeah. but they're, it's not even like that kind of shit it'll be like the whisperer of what I <laughs> like, yeah <laughs> oh man yeah, like just like bullshit of all like mm-hmm. demoness alarun or like of the demon hey. side or then sometimes it'll just be Gollum. that was funny but i like the book stuff i like that it was like yeah. oh like from the third circle or like the archangel from the circle or whatever i thought that stuff was kind of cool like even yeah like, no it, all the little flourishes and like details just you're just like Mwah. like you know it it, it really sells you on the whole gig as it were and i don't think that it, it like if they took the book stuff out that that would like lessen the experience like it feel it, in a way like the bayonetta one and two but i feel like two more so because it has like the angels and the demon books like mm-hmm. i feel like it kind of makes like the whole thing feel like a grand like sort of maybe not on the same like it's a much more extreme interpretation but it's like it's kind of like reading like a lord of the rings book and it's just like you know here's here's this demon that just appeared in 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 book two sort of thing yeah i love that the checkpoints are like verses and the chapters. oh yeah yeah everything that just ties into the and oh that's a thing too it's like a playing card and like it's just (laughs) like yeah which adds to which adds to loki's like Yu-Gi-Oh! Like when I first saw him like 10 years ago, like Loki, I was like, he has trading cards. He's a Yu-Gi-Oh! reject. His weapon is Yu-Gi-Oh! cards. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Like, what is uh, oh, and that's another thing too. The music of these games is Mm. so inspired. It's like this 
like jazz come in yeah it's like it's like jazz fusion and then sometimes a real lady will start singing yeah, yeah. oh yeah like where they they literally just take frank frank sinatra songs and like turn them into these yeah. like upbeat like battle themes like you know uh, yeah. uh moon i mean for me moon river you know the the song that plays in the opening of bayonetta 2 is like top 10 songs yeah. ever in a game like moon river or in the first game is fly me to the moon or um even the battle theme of bayonetta 2 tomorrow is mine is like oh that's so, it's just so cat it's like as soon as it kits you just hear it dun, dun, dun. like yeah. as soon i'm like okay here we go like so and they have to do that like the book thing with the music building up that is like because of the fact that the game is incessant beat em up yeah. And it's like every four seconds, like there's very little breaks between having to do like these combos and ran like various button mashing and whatever. There's never like you can never take a breath where it's like once you think that you just fought like a really hard boss, it can't really get yeah. that much harder after that. And that's you like well. can't stress the importance of the book enough because if that wasn't there, there'd be nothing to hype you up to do the same thing again. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, very, very and it sure. works every time. Like every time the book happened, I was like, all right, let's go. All right, let's go. It's another boss fight. Right. <laughs> we just had one though. Like, right. yeah. And that speaks to also to the really good design of these games where it's like they'll introduce this boss character and i mean this is something also devil may cry does where it's like they introduce a boss character and then suddenly later in the game oh hey that boss character is now a regular enemy and now you have to deal with that plus the like little gremlin characters that are easy to build like it, it it just ramps up everything and it's so great i mean bayonetta 2 just feels much it's so weird because like Bayonetta one and two are very, very similar when you get down. Like there's, there's nothing radically different between the two. It's just like Bayonetta two just feels more complete somehow. Like Bayonetta one was already complete, but somehow Bayonetta two feels completer. Like, yeah. It's they polished it, like polish it on all ends. It felt like it's perfected. Yeah. It's the vision of the first one. Like, like with it's just like it seems like they maybe have like more resources or something or like just like, like the Nintendo money, yeah, the yeah, Nintendo, that Nintendo money. money paid off. Like Loki getting pulled to Paradiso and we have to like go to the gates of heaven yeah. and then everything's happening. But now we're at the gates of hell just and like it's the, just it's so cool and it's so or, or yeah. the or the segment where you control like those mechas, the Umbran mechas, yeah, in, in the like, pat like. That is so cool. I mean, so crazy. or just, you know, fighting alongside your mom, Rosa, or, you know, the fact that you fight with your dad, Balder. Like, there's so many just great like, moments. Yeah, right. Like, how is it all happening? There's, like, no sound explanation for, like, why you're able to do it. <laughs> oh, yeah, no. Bayonetta, like, Bayonetta 1, yeah. was, Bayonetta 1 was crazy. Bayonetta 2 is in- insane. Like, just the absurdity that it will just, like, go to in the in the service to have a great gameplay section but also just to like keep you invested and keep you pulled in like there there is just nothing like just getting to like because it's my favorite boss in the game uh the alarune who's keeping john's soul to like make her stronger like i love that i love that that's like my favorite fight in the game and then also bitch yeah <laughs> and then and then the fact that like Rodon just suddenly interrupts and then he's like okay i'm making a weapon 
That's my husband right there. That's my yeah. man. Yeah, no, she's. I will, I will cook him three meals a day and buy him a house. Yes, I do the cooking. Yes, yes I, I do, do the, the cleaning. cleaning. I know <laughs> precious for the Egypt. He's such a fun and cool character. I love that. Like the gates of like the the not real gates of hell is just him at a bar. Yeah, like, it's super super fun. His bar. Yeah. And he was like, I thought I told you to chill. Yeah, I thought I told your ass to chill. Because she was going to kill. Yeah. Yeah. uh, I mean, Bayonetta 2 is... (laughs) Every time I just think about it, it's so cool. Like, there's so many, like, unique things that they just put in the pan and they cook it up and here's the dish sort of moments. And, you know... even it, even like my one complaint about the game, which is like there's too much flying, but like at the end of the day, like the combat feels punchier, and it feel and it's not as like Bayonetta One has like kind of old school mentality where it's a lot more strict and it's a little bit more difficult. Like Bayonetta Two feels like they tone down things so that they can keep you on the ride, but still giving you the entire. Cat, uh, catalog of what Bayonetta can do as a character while adding more like the Umburn climax moves where you know Madam Butterfly's like arms and legs are just like whipping around with every single punch and kick and I'm just like this isn't <laughs> why well, I, I can't imagine anybody saying like this is bad or anything it's like no this is the type of like wish fulfillment that I've dreamed of in a game and the fact that it still looks so beautiful to this day, like, is a testament just to every aspect of the experience. That's what I thought of. Like, when I first was playing through the first one, I was like, this came out in 2009, and there was already, like, even though it was, like, remastered for Switch, you can tell, like, just the baseness of the game was just so beautiful and so gorgeous. Yeah, like, I knew exactly what they were doing. Two was just a refinement. But, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I mean, like, Bayonetta 2... I mean, I, I really can't just say like more. I mean, the, the fact that you get to fight, you know, Balder, Balder, who's like the mass sage, like even his boss fights are incredible. They're they're challenging and really well done. Or to the fact that you like it somehow gives explanation to the past of the of what Bayonetta once sets up, but also sets up the future in somehow like it's it's gar- the end of Bayonetta one is supposed to set up the end of Bayonetta two is supposed to set up the beginning of yeah one, right? yeah no yeah it explains why Balder is a bad a bad guy in the first game <laughs> but like somehow the ending of Bayonetta one leads into Bayonetta two it's so I mean if you were to be if you were like a professor you'd be like what the fuck are you t- like this makes no I'll sense but yeah. like in the context of a game that is okay and that is fine like it it does not need it doesn't need a hollywood script to get you excited it does you know even the little moments such as like when luca you know parades in trump trombone noises playing behind him and it's just like you know he's like constantly bumbling and fumbling himself and he's just like you know bingo like nothing. like he does absolutely nothing but he is there the entire yeah, i mean <laughs> it's it's the epitome of just like razor sharp like everything like you know everything has a purpose everything has a, per- a reason to exist everything has a reason where it is and i just thinking about bayonetta 2 legitimately makes me happy like there's yeah. there's there's not a missed beat i would say like it, it's 
from beginning to end. I think it's even shorter than the first game, to be honest. And mm-hmm. it's like, yeah, like they trim the fat and they get you to what matters about the exp- the game. And I think it makes it better as a result, you know. And I think, which makes, you know, I've I've only played Bayonetta three about like an hour or so of the game, and I feel like they've they're already cut they tripped over themselves a bit like they're trying to make everything even more gargantuan and more spectacle and it feels it feels like they're tripping over themselves as they go like like they're like the song the music isn't as stellar i mean it's good but it's not great like you know jean's design is kind of not good uh bayonet I don't know. I mean, I'll have to see what I think when I finish Bayonetta three. But I, looking at Bayonetta three from what I have played, and Bayonetta one and two, it's just like Bayonetta one and two are just you know masterpieces. They start off so like explosive. It's it's insane. We're like three. It's how do you, you know, you have to keep up with that. Oh yeah, it. it, How do you keep up with? I I guess that's a problem that the first two games establish. Is like how do you keep ramping up the scale and. Excited. Yeah. Yeah. It's in a way, I mean, hell, I mean, the fact that they created a sequel and created equally as impressive and large scale grandness, you know, as the first game established, you know, fighting the creator of the universe, the fact <laughs> that the sequel is still able to like recreate that sort of feeling is a testament to these designers. Like, you know, that's, that's a, that's a fucking difficult thing to do. And yeah, I mean, his Bayonetta 2 is fun. <laughs> yeah. It just made me feel very joyful. It was like, I don't know. It's a, for as dark as the themes are and for as like violent and gory and crazy as it is, it's just like, it's crazy how they managed to like jam so many like discordant things together into one like perfect package that like, mm-hmm. I don't know, talk about things that like shouldn't work and then, do it's like just a miracle of yeah it it very much is the miracle game like i am grateful as all can be that nintendo saved this franchise and let them complete the vision that they had for this game you know i'm glad that nintendo stuck their nose out and said like hey you can do things sexier can do things much more evocative and provocative or you know whatever like the fact that just the fact that Bayonetta 2 exists as it is, I think is a miracle in and of itself. And um, yeah, I mean, I don't know if there's anything else to say, but I think for my money, and I think you guys can agree with this, Bayonetta 2 is the best of the series. Um, yeah. And yeah, I mean, just fucking play this, get it on your Switch. They bundle them together. You literally bought, I bought the bundle. And I'm actually, so I'm going to try good. out three because I do want to like, I, I agree. I, I want to make sure I do like a full playthrough before I give my judgment. Cause like it could get better yeah. or could, whatever, but, but I'm, I think I'm inspired to like do a full playthrough of three now. My mom accidentally bought me the, the European version of it. <laughs> <laughs> Not sure if it's going to work. I don't know. How you're I, it different. might, it might. Cause the switch is region free. Okay. Mm-hmm. So well, I think it well. should work. Um, yeah, I th- yeah. It, 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 <laughs> I was like, I sent you the link for it, dude. <laughs> <laughs> My Hanukkah's ruined. 
but yeah, I mean, I guess to wrap up our our night with Miss Netta, if you're nasty, um, <laughs> I think I think the main goal, the month of the month of my sort of at least this month of my favorite women characters is like Laura Croft, Tomb Raider, Bayonetta is just to be inspired. Like do something that is, I mean, granted it depends on your publisher and all that sort of stuff, but like be willing to put something that is outlandish or crazy or insane because what I you know, I cannot imagine Bayonetta. I mean, I'm looking at gameplay footage where, like, it's the lopter fight on the falling clock tower. No, like, I love that. Like, any little bit of Bayonetta one or two, if it had been removed, it would have it would severely detract the experience. And I mean, heck, even if heck, even if like the lock on was not the lips that removes so much character from the game yeah, and no. the camera I, shot it's, it's like yeah, someone's like, this, you know yeah exactly there's so many specific choices that make bayonetta special and i think that if anything were gone it would be less of a game and i want to see game developers just push the boundary of what can be done you're you're in a medium that has seemingly limitless possibilities so just go for it. I don't know if you guys have anything else to say on the matter. No, yeah, I mean, that just about sums it. I mean, talk about things being... The only thing that I... The only complaint I had about Bayonetta 2 at all is that, like, when you leave the menu unattended in Bayonetta 1, <laughs> and she first <laughs> says it, she goes, Bayonetta. And then when you let it play through, it, like, gives you a little cutscene. She goes, ha, Bayonetta. <laughs> she like does it in a slightly different voice every time and then in bayonetta 2 she does the same voice every time and i was like god damn i yeah. wish that they'd given her a couple lines it'd be the details it'd be the, it, it, the devil's in the details girl yeah so that's yeah i mean that's really all that it is is and i think like i don't know like it's it's so fun the, it's it's so fun because you can see how creative they were and you can see how ballsy they were so many decisions and i love that i it doesn't even have to be super provocative even though it is but i just like new and creative ideas like this is what makes me excited because i hold video games so close to my heart mm -hmm. and when i think of games that i'm looking forward to like stardew valley's having their spinoff and i'm assuming it's going to come out this year yeah and the concept of that game is that you are a you make chocolates in this haunted house <laughs> and like the reason why it's so exciting is because you see something like stardew valley do so well because it's so different and it's so engrossing Mm -hmm. And I'm not, I, I want video games. To, I want that feeling from more video games, yeah. like Bayonetta. Mm -hmm. like, actually, yeah, like, I, I, I hope developers be rewarded for doing stuff like that. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, people just should. Hey, if you see a game on the shelf or on online, and you, even if for a split second you think that this might be worth your time, then just go for it. I mean, don't necessarily go for like. The eight those games with the eighties percent score or the ninety percent score. Sometimes, I mean, granted, Bayonetta is not an example of this, but like, go for a game that's a little bit. Go for a game that's <laughs> go for a game that like interests you. Give you know, give it your time and money. Yeah, and hey, like, do, you know, pull your sort of thoughts away from it. And if hey at least this you gave like a developer saying like hey i saw your vision and i was i was behind it sort of thing uh yeah. 
so many videos for everyone like to your point like you don't have to be so hand-eye coordinated to have like a really no. great experience and to like have such solid yeah. takeaways from games and if people are like i hate this book or like we all hate this album i'm like i'm not like oh yeah i hate that too because everyone else is saying that like yeah, i just feel yeah. like because of the fact that like a video game is it's a 60 70 commitment and you have to pour so much time into it and it's almost like it's a engaging with it is totally different than you do with any other medium mm -hmm. it's almost like there's more pressure to be like i have to like it or like, mm -hmm. I have to, like it needs to like blow my mind and it like people don't engage with it in the same way that they should be engaging with it as they a book or a movie or an album or whatever yeah agreed agreed but i think that that'd be a really good way to like i mean some of my favorite shit of all time across all mediums is shit that people hate <laughs> <laughs> and like like openly hate and like that kind of thing you know and like if i didn't have these things in my life it'd be really horrible and it would take so much like special art away mm -hmm. yeah i yeah i give give games that are not nine out of tens a shot give us give the seven out of tens a shot maybe even to the six out of tens you never know no. uh i mean one of my favorite games near uh the first near game was a seven out of ten and then the right. sequel came out and it was a nine out of 10. Like, you know, just give, 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 give the little unique games a shot. And so um, I want to thank you they guys. Oh, yeah. No, I You've been out of reviews now. now that... yeah. <laughs> I really want to hear what people are like truly saying. I, I, like... I, know, I know that the, the second game got slightly lower reviews uh, just because I think it was just. I think they're just like it's more of the same sort of thing, but like who cares? Like you're getting more bayonetta, doesn't matter. But oh, it is. it's uh, a different enough game. Oh no. Yeah, I mean, you know, reviewers are questionable in games industry. But I want to thank you guys very dearly for coming on for this honestly very fun episode. It was a blast talking to you guys, talking about a a woman I love, a game series I love, and so I'm eternally grateful for you too. Oh, thank you for having us. I Thanks. mean, I have such a deep affinity for video games, so yeah, I was so glad. Yeah, and I'm glad too that you guys played these games for the first time too. I, this is another case where I got someone to play a game and they had a good time with it. So you know, thank you, thank you for doing that. You know, let alone. Of course, I mean, uh, made up. <laughs> I wouldn't trade the experience. Yeah, yeah the, the shadow remains past. Here? Kid. And fun. The shadow yeah. remains past. <laughs>